How beautiful that, uh, that we didn't start it. We're not going to end it. We get to stand on the shoulders of men and women who by faith have sown into things that we get to be part of this time, this season, and that we have an opportunity now to take hold of this moment that uh, others in the future may also once upon a time tell a story of how we, in faith, took a step in God. So, so beautiful. So we are, uh, are we for, I'm losing my voice already, and I've still got a, another two services to do, but um, we are landing our legacy series. We're in week four, and we've timed it to land where we are today with Sowing September. One September, this is the month that we've called us to give over and above our normal first fruit tithes and offerings into, uh, into sowing uh, for what God is calling us to. It was birthed out of uh, a scripture where there was, uh, in the scriptures it talks about this little guy called Zacchaeus, and he couldn't see Jesus when Jesus was walking around because of the crowds, and he climbed a tree. And as he climbed a tree, Jesus was able to see him and engaged him, and said, actually, Zacchaeus, today salvation has visited your house. And I'm so grateful that in the midst of the, the crowd of Durban, we are able to sow seed, which in the future will grow into a tree that many will be able to climb and encounter Jesus. And that's what we're doing, and that's what the series Legacy is about, because Legacy is all about what will we be remembered for when we are no longer? What will people write about you? What will people say about you? What will they write and say about us as Anthem? And so I want to ask you this question. What would you do if you walked into your market, into your job tomorrow, and your boss said, I'm doubling your salary? I, maybe some of you didn't quite hear me, and I'm just giving you some, like, did he really say that? Is that possible? Could that happen? Maybe some of us have already spent that double salary, and, uh, and it's okay. You'd be in good company if you immediately looked at the new car you might buy or uh, the loads of ice cream you'd want to eat with your kids, or if you were to spend it on yourself, you'd be in good company. But that's not a legacy that God would choose to build, because he's, build, he's building an eternal kingdom, and we have the privilege of partnering with him in this season. And so as we've gone on this journey, this legacy journey, as we're looking at uh, what we can leave behind, I'm reminding us again, as I have done every week, that it is never too early to start giving intentional thought and action towards building a legacy that we will leave one day. Too many people just get to those latter days of their life and try to, or, or they desire to want to be remembered for something, but they haven't actually built that into their life story. And so they're remembered by something different. I have the, the privilege and sometimes the pain of doing memorials and funerals. And the privilege when I get to tell a good story of a good legacy and the pain of where someone took more than they gave. We can do something today and in the coming weeks that tells a story. I don't know about you, but uh, we've got guys like William Wilberforce who single-handedly fought slavery and then led a movement uh, after many decades that ended up ending slavery. There's Billy Graham who led hundreds of thousands of people to the Lord. There's John Wesley who, by his fervor for God, started the Methodist movement. I, I want to be remembered alongside men like that. And I don't think that's ambitious, and I don't think that's self-serving. I just think because they are remembered for giving their life for other people, not for their own story. It's very seldom that people get remembered for their own story, for what they built on their own. 
what people get remembered for is how they've served humanity and how they've been part of the reconciling story of man to God. And that's the journey we get to be a part of. And uh, I want to remind us the, the scripture that we've anchored ourselves in for four weeks. And so I trust that those of you that have come here week after week, this is kind of ingrained in your mind. And if you're here for the first time, you'll be hearing it. And it's important enough for me to read it again. But David was chosen as the king of Israel, God's people, who God was going to give blessing to and bless the nations through. Can you imagine the capacity that David must have had to lead, to lead God's people? And as he surrendered to God, he was able to grow in capacity. But he gets to the end of his days, and he says this in Psalm 112, verse 5 to 6, Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. And as we've gone on this journey, we've, we've remembered that there's many things that we would desire to be remembered for, but the thing that does get remembered forever by all people, is generosity. When we are generous with our emotional engagement with people, when we are generous with our time, when we are generous, yes, with our financial resource, when we are generous, when we give of our lives, not for ourselves, but for the sake of others, that gets remembered forever. That is the story that I feel God is calling us into. We feel God's calling us into His anthem again in this season. Would we be found to be generous and therefore remembered forever, like some of these stories that have been able to be told today. So uh, we've been looking at legacy, and in the first week we looked at the privilege we have of getting to give. We have the privilege that God has chosen to co-labor with us, to include us in His story. He doesn't kind of just go, okay, well, there's my church, but I'm going to carry on doing my thing. You guys do that thing. He says, no, 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 come and partner with me. We get to partner with God. We get to give. We get to be part of the story and, uh, and part of it. What, what an incredible privilege. The second week, we looked at principled giving, and we looked at, actually, there's this order to life. We're not governed by our emotions. We're governed by the patterns of heaven. And the statement that was coming out of it is, emotions are a good gauge, but they're not a good guide. Actually, principled giving. And so for those that have been around uh, for more than a year, you'd know that sowing September is part of our annual rhythm. And so I trust that you're building this into your principled giving as we, we principally, as we, we have principles towards our giving. And if you're new in these 12 months, we will do this again next year. And so you can start to prepare for it in your giving. And then last week, uh, it was kind of legacy, and it's all generosity is all about Jesus. Freely we have received. Freely we have received. He gave himself for us, and therefore freely we spend ourselves and give of ourselves for others. Today, we're going to be looking at this big thought. It says this, we have the capacity for more than we think we do. We have the capacity for more than we think we do. And now there's going to be two groups of people in this auditorium. Uh, there's going to be one group that says, I absolutely believe that. We've got capacity for more. There's going to be another group that goes, I don't know. And so I want to encourage both groups today from the Scriptures as Jesus calls us. Because I want to tell you today that from the Scriptures, from who I know God to be and how He's revealed Himself, we have the capacity for more than we think we do. There's a beautiful story in the Bible where the disciples think that they've seen a ghost. What's happened is Jesus has been hanging out with his, 
his crew, and he kind of says, hey, you go on ahead of me on the lake, just get on the boat, and I'll catch up with you. I don't think anyone really gave kind of thought as to how Jesus would do it. He'd probably just catch the next ferry across. Uh, remember, no motor, it's all road uh, arm power in that day. And then there's this moment where Jesus suddenly rocks up, and he's by the boat. And you can forgive the disciples for thinking, we've just seen a ghost, because Jesus has just arrived where we are on this boat. And uh, that nothing like that had happened before. Uh, no one had walked on water. No one just appears. And so we can uh, identify with the disciples thinking, hey, actually, this is, this is not natural. This is not natural. And they had to try and work that through because when we live with Jesus, sometimes the not natural or the supernatural happens. And we have to have a theology and a framework and a life pattern that incorporates the supernatural. If we don't, we can't walk with Jesus. And there's this story, and, and so this is where we pick it up in Matthew chapter 14, verse 28 to 31. And then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you and walking on the water. Can you imagine Peter? He's standing there, it's like, Jesus, I, I see it's you. If it is you, tell me to come on the water. Tell me to come. I love the faith of this man. His, his eyes are on Jesus. It's like, hey, forget the fact that there's hippos and crocs in the lake. Forget the fact that there's wind and waves and all of that stuff. It's Jesus. And he's standing on the water. If it's him, I'm coming. Forget about the 11 oaks. I'm, forget my mates. If they don't have faith to step out of the boat, I'm going. This incredible faith-filled man. And, and uh, Jesus says, yes, come. And so Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Imagine that moment. Imagine that moment. Imagine doing the supernatural. Imagine doing what no ordinary man had done before as he kept his eyes on Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? As we come and we, we kind of land and wrap up our legacy series, we have capacity for more than we think we do. Friends, I want to encourage us that when we keep our eyes on Jesus, we partner with the supernatural. When we drop our eyes to see the wind and the waves and the hippos and the crocs, all we can do is cry out, Lord, save me. We don't get to partner in the supernatural. Today, I want to lift our eyes up to Jesus. I also know that it can be quite exhausting living in that faith realm of, okay, God, 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 because there is a reality. We live on an earthly, we, we live on earth, and there are natural circumstances, and so to always keep our eyes there, we, you, you, sometimes we have to look down and kind of see what's happening down here, and uh, God is very, very kind because He gives us wisdom for that, and there's a story that goes, so David, who said the generous will be remembered forever, handed over to a guy called Solomon, his son, and when Solomon was ordained as king, God said, ask me for anything. And instead of asking for selfish things like, oh, let me be the wealthiest man in the world, or let me have the strongest kingdom in the world, or let me, he just said, God, give me wisdom to rule and lead your people. And we pick this story up in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29. It says, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. See, God didn't give... Uh, Solomon the solutions, but he gave him the capacity to find and bring solutions. 
And so today, as we're going to go through a story in the Scriptures, what I'm trusting it will do, it will lift our gaze to see Jesus, and we'll understand that empowered by the Spirit of God, we're able with great wisdom, insight, and understanding to find the solutions that God desires for this land, for this city, for our neighborhoods, etc., etc. What is capacity? Capacity is the ability to receive, to contain, to perform, or to withstand. See, sometimes we just need greater capacity to withstand what the enemy is doing. Sometimes we need the capacity to perform greater tasks. We're about to embark on building a facility in Cornubia. That's a great task ahead of us. Sometimes we need to grow our capacity to receive or to contain what God is giving to us. That is capacity. And so the question is, are we willing to grow into our full capacity? I think that's the question that we all have to answer individually and we have to answer as anthem. Are we willing to grow into the capacity that God has for us? And so we're going uh, to be looking at one particular story, and it's, it's, a, it's like a parable, which is a, it's a figurative story of Jesus with us but it's told kind of with, with different characters in the story. And there's a story where this master is a wealthy man, and he goes, he's going to go away on a trip. But he gives his servants some money, and uh, he says, look after it for me. And then he comes back, and the different servants have looked after it in different ways. And so we're going to pick up the story in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, and there's three quick points I want to make as we go on this journey. And the first one is this, that everyone has a capacity. Everyone has a capacity. I'm going to explain that in a second. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one who gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. All of us have a current capacity to affect the world around us. The Bible says so. So if we do not believe it, we have to realign our thinking, reorder our thinking. This is the problem. Too many of us look at different men and women, and we say, well, we don't measure up to them, therefore I don't have anything. That's not the way God views it. To some, He gives five. To some, He gives three or two, and to some, He gives one. If you're a one-bag guy or girl, that's okay because that's what God's entrusted you with but you have a capacity. So don't ever believe the lie that you have nothing to offer the kingdom of God. That is wrong. You have a capacity. So the second thing is, okay, I've now got a capacity. You can expand your capacity. You can expand it. The story carries on in verse 19 to 21. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. He's increased his capacity. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. When we grow our capacity, God gives us even more. Come and share your master's happiness. I love the fact that within us, because we are created in the image of God with His DNA, we have the ability to grow. And not only do we have the ability to grow, when we step into that, it pleases God. That is His design. But like He gave to Solomon wisdom, 
That is what He gives to us. He doesn't just give us. We don't just teleport to Cornubia. By wisdom, insight, and understanding, we co-labor with God to build a solution. And so He was given five. We've been given gifts by God. But then by working it, by skilling it, by laboring with God, with wisdom, insights, and understanding, I'm able to make that 5.10. And God says, I am pleased with you. Come and share in your master's happiness. We have the ability, you have the ability to expand your capacity. You can expand it. As I said right in the beginning, what would you do if God doubled I said your salary, let's say we change it. What would you do if God doubled your capacity? Would you spend it on yourself? Or would you spend it on God's kingdom and what he's leading us to? The third thing we see is that our legacy is bigger than our current capacity. Our legacy is bigger than our current capacity. In Matthew chapter 25, 28 to 29, so this is kind of towards the back end of the story. What had happened was the, the one guy who got given one, one bag of gold was so scared of losing it that he buried it. And so this is what the master comes back and says, so take that bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And so I want to say this, so not only do we have the ability to expand our capacity, it actually displeases God when we don't expand our capacity. You get the subtle difference there? So we have room to grow our capacity, but actually God has an expectation that we do that. And if we don't, He takes away what is in your hands and He gives it to someone that will grow the capacity. And so God's desire through this is like, Hey, friends, you have a capacity. I've entrusted you with certain things, certain gifts. Now grow in them. I am absolutely astounded by Obed's drumming at such a young age. He has invested. He is upskilling himself. I, I wouldn't hate to see. I would love to see where he's going to be when he's 20 years of age as he continues to develop and sow into this gift that he has been given. Absolutely amazing. And so... We have this, this responsibility to grow our capacity. How do we do this? How do we grow our capacity? What is wisdom, insight, and understanding? How do we take hold of solutions? How do we do that? Well, Paul helps us in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. I think there's two very important lessons coming out of this. We've been given a capacity. But the immeasurably more is in God's hands. The immeasurably more. Do you believe that he has immeasurably more than we can conceive or imagine? Because when we look with our own natural eyes and we think like the wind and the waves, we move to Cornubia, that's going to be a whole lot of money that we have to spend. And what if, uh, what if the worship style changes? And what if... Uh, Suddenly some of my friends don't go with, or what if we're looking at the winds and waves and we'll never partner with Jesus in the supernatural. God is a God of the immeasurably more. But our responsibility is this, that we keep our eyes on Him because it's according to His power there's a work within us. When our eyes are upon Jesus, we allow the Spirit of God to empower us. One of our 
beliefs. If you read our statements at the back there, we don't just have them up as wall art. These are to get into you. One of our beliefs is we believe in empowered faith. We believe that the Spirit of God partners with that which God has put in us, and in that we're able to do great exploits, the immeasurably more that God has for us because we are empowered by the Spirit of God. And so when we are looking at that Jesus, when we keep our eyes upon Him, and we surrender to the power that is at work within us, then we can start to see the walking on the water. We can start to see a new building in Cornubia. We can start to see the thousands coming to reach out and know him. We can start to see multi-cultures, multi-economic brackets, multi-races, multi-languages all coming together to worship God. In our natural eyes, we battle to see that. But the God of the immeasurably more is so able to do it. Will you keep your eyes on this Jesus as he calls us to walk on water. And so I just very want, I, I want to quickly go through three questions that I feel like we need to answer for ourselves as we collectively get called into the story. The first one is this. What is our motivation? Why do we want God to give us more? Why would you want God to give you more? Psalm 139, 23 to 24 says this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. God, my anxious thoughts, if I depart with this money, am I going to be able to pay my rent at the end of the month or the beginning of the month? If I say yes to going to Cornubia, are they going to ask me to serve more often than I am presently? What are your anxious thoughts? Test me, O God. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Will you allow God to point this out in you? What is your motivation? What is our motivation as we do this? Lord, I want what you want for me. The second question is this. What's our stewardship question? Am I using what God has already given me to full capacity? Are you already at full capacity? Ephesians chapter 5, 15 to 18 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. There is an opportunity before us, friends. There is an opportunity. Are we going to make a wise or an unwise call? Are we going to partner with heaven or are we going to partner with selfish ambition? Right now, we have that opportunity before us. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. That's self-interest. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. What is the Spirit of God doing, friend? He is busy forming the church, the bride, without spot or blemish. He's, he's, He's creating that for Jesus. Therefore, the best place that we can partner, the best place we can attend to is surrender to the work of the Spirit of God, which is to the bride of Christ. That more would come in, that more men and women would be reconciled to God and reconciled one to another as we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Lord, give me wisdom, insight, and understanding to steward the capacity that you have given to me. Let that be our prayer. And the third and last question is just the faith question. Do we believe that God can and wants to do more through us? Do you believe that God can and wants to do more through you? Do you believe that God desires for your capacity to grow? Luke chapter 5, 5 to 7, Simon said, Master, we've been fishing hard all night and haven't caught even a minnow, but if you so say, say so, I'll let out the nets. And it was no sooner said than done a huge haul of fish, straining the nets past capacity. 
and they waved to their partners in the other boats to come and help, and they filled both boats, nearly swamping them with the catch. See, friends, we can put our eyes onto the wind and waves, and we can wonder. Grace Family Church have just moved to Cornubia. Hillsong are looking to move to Cornubia. Link Church are moving to Cornubia. Anthem are moving to Cornubia. We can say, hey, Rich, why, why? The wind and the waves, there's too many people going there. Or we can say, God, what are you doing? Is this in line with the Scripture? Straining the nets past capacity, and they wave to their partners in the other boat to come help them. Because God has a huge catch. Will we respond to the call of God that says, will you step out of the boat and onto the water to do the miraculous? Will you partner with the God of the immeasurably more and surrender to the Spirit of God at work within us that we may reconcile man to God and man to man? Lord, would you increase my faith and capacity for more? Who then is willing? The cry of one heart, one voice of one color and tongue. There is a light, a hope somewhere. Will you come to lead us to rest? But the walls are high and the roots run deep and the eyes and the light shut tight. Who then is willing? A race has been run and won. And victor's crowned, but the day is not done. The king is still calling. Are there those who will come? There is a generation asking if diversity can triumph over adversity. Can we take the instability of comparison and instead make love the garrison, the safe harbors, regenerations, co-creation, cooperation? And will you break free from the oasis of community? Will you break the jar that contains the light? Will you flood the plains and pains of another's fight? The walls are high and the roots run deep and the eyes in the light shut tight to the world that calls. Who then is willing? Will you rise and go? Will you answer the call? The hopes are high and the love runs deep and the eyes and the light blink open. The cry of one heart with one voice and one tongue grows louder. Don't forget, don't overlook. Will you do it for those who will come? Will you beat a path for another's oasis? Will you secure my rest that I may share in yours? There is a generation ready to rise, for I am not one. I am many. In Genesis chapter 21, we read of a man called Abraham who became known as the father of our faith. And he was on a piece of land and he had dug a well because well, a, a well was the source of life for all uh, the activity that was going on. It was, they were an agricultural community. And it was what brought water to both sustain the family as well as the livestock and the crops. And so wells were critically important to ancient Israel. And then there was another nation who had come and had fought off Abraham and they had taken hold of a, taken hold of a well. And Abraham talks to a guy called Abimelech. And we see this in Genesis chapter 21 verse 25. Then Abraham complained to Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized. What had taken place here was people were reaping the benefit of something that they had not sowed into. They were reaping the benefit of a well that they had not dug. And friends, we stand here in sowing September. We know that God has called us out of Genesis chapter 12, a word that became alive to us to arise and to go to a land that He has shown us. He's called us to go closer to those that we've been working with for many, many years, part of our story that was before many of us. 
as we move closer to Waterloo and to Amorti and to Phoenix, and then out to Mount Edgecombe and to Amschlange, as, we, as Durban North has expanded. We're not moving out of North Durban, friends. We're just including more suburbs that are able to be part of the North Durban story. We're moving out of Durban North, but not out of North Durban. And what God has called us to do is, would we dig a well that others may be able to be watered from? That these generations who at this present time are unable to contribute to the digging of the well, but would we consider them, our children? Would we consider our great-grand, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren? Would we consider those that economically are not able to be part of this, but would we include them in as God would desire the blessing to be for all nations? Would we step up and be those that sow into building a well, not trying to reap on the back of somebody else's sowing? And that is the call to us this September, friends, to sow, to be generous, to give ourselves to the God of the immeasurably more. Would we surrender to the work of the Spirit of God as He calls us to the ministry of reconciliation? Would you be a part of that story? Could I ask you to stand together?